Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by VentTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry. To learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds And check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Hey everybody, I'm very pleased to have as our special guest today, Jeff Sneller. Jeff is the president of Sneller Snow and Grounds of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Jeff, just thank you so much for taking time out to be with us. I'm looking forward to hearing kind of an update on your story and maybe some, for some folks who, who don't know you at all, um, for them to kind of hear your story just from the beginning. And, and also, just hear your thoughts about the industry. You know, I think this is such a cool industry, and obviously you and I have been in this industry a long time. Um, just really interested in your perspective on some things. So um, why don't we start by just hearing about the background, a little bit of history of, of Sneller Snow and Grounds. Yeah. Well, first I want to say, Phil, it's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. I consider it an honor and uh, it's uh, it's a joy to be a part of the industry and uh, thankful for what I've been able to learn from others. So when you asked for uh, for me to be able to, to speak, I'm, I'm happy to do what I can for the industry. So yeah, awesome. um, as, as far as my story, uh, I, from a young age, mowed some neighbors' lawns and and figured that I wanted to get into landscape maintenance. And and that's what I went to college for at Michigan State was turf grass management. Um, And as we got into it and, uh, you know, like many companies that do snow in the wintertime because whatever they're doing for the bread and butter is put on hold for the winter, um, that's how our company initially looked at snow back when uh, my dad started uh, the business in 1984. Um, But then it was he that went to a a national 
um, snow association meeting and said, hey, Jeff, you need to come to this. And uh, I really need to give him the credit for helping me think big because my initial response was, I already got so much on my to-do list. If I go to that thing, I'm just going to have more to add to my to-do list. And I was uh, a lot younger at the time and naive. And so I give him the credit for uh, challenging us to think big. Um, he went by himself that, the first year. One uh, was that. Um, what, what year was that? The very early 2000s. Okay. Very early 2000s. Okay. And uh, so we went, and uh, he went the first year, came back with a good report. Then I went the second year, and that's when a lot of uh, a lot of lights started coming on, and we were thinking uh, passionately about snow and the opportunities. And we, uh, one thing led to another. We found that that's a real niche where we could um, – differentiate ourselves and focus on that year round um, and uh, just really became a passion of ours and something that we enjoy and and prepare for and uh, so then snow had become as much as 85 percent of our annual volume and uh, then we started seeing the benefit of um, growing the green side again so that we have more of that year-round team to help with our management uh, of of the snow in the winter time so we're back to growing the green at a at a faster rate than our white um, but still white is our passion and and a big part of our focus year-round as a company so was that so that's interesting so um the refocus on the green side that was really driven by the need to have labor and management year round. Do you think that's a short term play um, with the, with the labor situation or do you think that's more of a long term business or don't, or is that inside proprietary information? Uh, no, I'm, I'm comfortable answering whatever. And uh, so for the green, it, it's something that we enjoy. Um, and it's certainly more predictable. We know that we have our weekends off, so so there's that benefit. But uh, really working to build more of our year-round team um, because all of our uh, uh, the snow people that work for us in the wintertime were about 300-ish people in the winter, north a little north of that, um, and we're managing them with about 60 year-round people so our sidewalk shovelers and some of our salt truck drivers and so forth they're not all year-round staff but they're managed by people that are year-round staff and just the more year-round people we have the more value that it just it's easier to be able to let guys have a week off or uh, um, a lot of flexibility in their schedule. So that's that's how we've evolved from being a focus on green to focus on white to, to more of a balance. And I would, uh, I should also share as part of my story, um, the, the company's story. My, in, I, I mentioned my dad started the business. My brother, Dan, came into the business as well. So he's my partner, we own it. Uh, 50-50 together and then in 2009 my father retired and Dan and I have been uh, uh, 
um, growing the business ever since. And we added a branch in Lansing, and uh, we have in our three-year plan to be adding more branches. And we really, uh, our, our passion, the reason we want to grow is so that we can develop people to be a positive influence in their world. And uh, that's, that's why we want to grow it so that we can provide more opportunities to our people. It's not, it's not about being big, um, but it's about what's good for the team. And I love it when we can hire somebody at an entry level position and we can share success stories of other people that have been here five and seven years and show where they've progressed from an entry level position to the position of management that they're in now. And as a growing company, we can continue to offer those opportunities to people. Whereas if we were just plateaued in our size, then um, they'd only have advancement opportunities if someone above them quits. Uh, so that's the, the, the thing that is exciting for me and the rest of our leadership team and really all of our managers. And that's what fuels our desire to grow is, um, we have a shared passion to develop people and, and give them opportunities to grow here within the company, professionally and growing personally. I love that, Jeff, because, I mean, you're talking about the why, you're talking about culture, you're talking about mission, um, you're talking about things that are deeper um, and more meaningful, honestly, than just earning a paycheck. And I, and I feel like that's one of the areas that some businesses have really invested in and really figured out and it's become their culture is is everything like is what drives the business um and i and i feel like you know the companies that haven't really figured that out or haven't made that investment are really missing out on something very powerful so help me understand how did you kind of help when you say you know this is this is our passion this is what's driving us how did you how did you figure that out? Like, how did you know that? Or how did you come to articulate that? Um, both with our passion and with our core values. Um, I, I'll admit, <laughs> there, was, there was once a time where I just thought uh, core values was some academia exercise that yep that certain companies go through. And part of the reason is when I would go to say a fast food restaurant and I'd see their core values hanging up on the wall, it was nothing that got me excited. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would read that and it just looked like some, some blah, blah, blah to me. But as uh, through reading books and talking to people and um, see, while I, I've been wrong on so many things over the years and that was, that was one of them. So we've known that culture is something that is so important to us. That's why people are desire to work here. That's why people desire to make a career out of uh, uh, working at this company. It's not just because they enjoy doing the green season work that we do. It's not just because they enjoy doing the white season work that we do, but they enjoy being a part of the team and the culture and the environment that we have here is something unique. So we knew that, but then taking it from, from that concept to being able to put it into words and put it into core value, that, that was a process that we had to go through. And I like to be involved in every year-round hire. I can't be involved in every 
sidewalk hire that we do for seasonal positions. But um, as we continue to grow, we're going to have to go from, well, what is uh, Jeff or Dan Sneller looking for when they hire to being able to articulate and, and uh, having the rest of the team being able to do this um, independently of us. And core values is a key way to, to articulate what it is that um, defines our culture and so that as we grow, we can preserve that culture. Say we double in size um, within a time frame. If we don't continue to add the right type of fit to the culture, then those who once were here because they enjoyed our culture so much will look around after a couple of years and say, hmm, they've changed. This isn't, this isn't the company it used to be. So, so how do we protect that? How do we preserve that? And as we came up with our five core values, what we did is we looked at the key people here that we really admired and said, you know, if we could have a company full of these people, what, who would they be? And so we put those names up on a whiteboard and then we started writing down what are their character qualities? What are, what is it about them that we appreciate? What are their values? And we came up with about 80 things and then we wanted to categorize that and, and boil that down into as few things as possible. And we came up with uh, five core values. So that's not who we desire to be, but that's who our, company already is our, our key people yeah. and uh, so hopefully hopefully that answers your question as to how that came about well it does and, and I thank you for that um, and I think the the message there is this takes some work you know I think that's that's why you had that reaction you had because a lot of companies don't put the work in they they google core values they grab five core values or three core values that sound nice and they laminate them and put them on the wall and they're, but they don't mean anything. They're just shallow. Um, and, 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 or they're not unique or they're not true, right? <laughs> if they're not who you are, if they're what you hope to be someday, but you're not, that, that, that's not a core value. That's an aspirational dream. Um, so too often core values or mission statements are just, they're, they are very shallow and they don't mean anything. And actually they can do more damage than, than, than good if that's all they are. I love the fact that you're sharing um, your thoughts with new hires. I think with technology and, you know, use of um, some, some high quality video, you can make that, you can probably make that available to everyone, you know, message from, from Jeff, you know, to every new hire, even if you had, 10,000 employees, you could do that, right? <laughs> they could all watch, hey, here's a little message from Jeff, right? Um, but, yeah. I, but I totally agree. Yeah, like everyone, I like that. Everyone in your company should be able to, especially your management team, should be able to articulate those cultural norms it, it, with the same passion that you do. Um, and that's really the goal is to have everybody be um, really, really all in with, with your values and your mission. Um, so let's see, I had one more thought about that, um, in regard to values and culture. So, um, I'm just kind of curious, um, how much effect do you think that has on your, um, employee engagement and your retention and even like, 
um, accidents and incidents and quality? Do you think it has a, a material effect or do you think it's just something warm and fuzzy that makes you feel good? Uh, I think it is what you make of it. Um, so with, with our core values, people need to, uh, to fit and hold these values in order to, um, to be able to be a part of the company, to be able to be initially hired, to be able to, um, be promoted into management. And it's, it's our core values that make that so many people reference as to why they enjoy working here and why they want to stay here. So one of them, one of our core values is merit-based opportunity um, with no entitlement thinking. Um, a job's pay is determined based on the value of the contribution. So it's just in our culture so often entitlement is uh, something that is cherished by certain uh, certain schools of thought and it's appreciated that that it's not here and that people can can move up based on their contribution and if they really put in the work and and uh, do things to provide more value to the company they appreciate that that can be recognized and they're not held back by just uh, promoting and on the basis of seniority and that's exciting to people that if they if they work hard and they um, do things to stand out, that that, that can be recognized, um, not just in their pay, but in their uh, the amount of responsibilities that they can carry. Yeah, no, that's great, great example. And something very unique. I, I Most companies would never have that as a core value. I, I love that it's unique to you and something very meaningful to you. Um, and, and to our team, yeah, it, we tried to just not come up with some fluffy values, but what's unique about working here? Yeah. And what is it already that is important to to the group of managers that's in leadership here? Yep, awesome, thank you for that. Um, just kind of curious about, just going backward again, um, just with your career and talking about your dad and the company in 1984, um, uh, some folks listening to this weren't born in 1984, so uh, that was a while ago. Um, <laughs> was it always the plan for you to you and Dan to take over the business, and, and did you ever work outside of the company, out of the family business? Um, I have had a couple of jobs outside of the company business. Uh, one was an internship. One was uh, a, a job when I was in high school. Um, some other things that were. Uh, part-time but for the most part um, yeah this in answer to your question was it always the plan I'm thankful that uh, my dad never made us feel obligated that hey we had to, to take on um, the business when he retired he never made it feel like he was building it for us it was, it was something where we could work here if we wanted to and if we chose not to, he'd support us in that too. And even the day I graduated from college, it was my intention to um, own my own business. But I came to work for him because I knew there were things that he could teach me that I didn't learn in the classroom. Um, so I came to work here with the intention of it being short term. Um, and I just uh, enjoyed working with him 
so much that, uh, and I realized I could sell um, larger uh, prospects and portfolios that I wouldn't be able to start if I was just on my own, uh, a young kid just getting started. But being that um, in the late 90s, I was able to reference that we'd been in business since 1984. It gave me some credibility to be able to accomplish some more things. And then my daughter was born in the middle of a snowstorm. And I thought, you know, if I'd have been starting up myself and maybe one other guy in a couple of trucks and and uh, uh, my daughter's born in a snowstorm, my customers don't care and my wife doesn't care and I can't be in two places at once. So it was nice to be a part of something that's bigger. And, uh, and then my brother, Dan has um, uh, his story of how he came into the business. And uh, so it's uh, here we are uh, all these years later. And uh, just really thankful for the opportunities that, uh, that, that I've been blessed with. Well, as you know, um, a lot of businesses never make it to the second generation. So um, you, your family's done something that um, a lot of people can't do. You have a successful transition to the second gen. And um, you know, there's probably some really important things that are, that are involved in that as well. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of transitions here as, as the baby boomer generation ages out and the next gen takes over. There's going to be a lot of transitions. So um, you, you, uh, I, I could see uh, some, some consulting in your future there, Jeff, helping people make that transition, <laughs> potentially if you ever tire of the snow industry. <laughs> uh, you guys did well, something successfully, that's difficult to do is what I'm trying to say. And congrats to you and your family. Thank you. Yeah, we've, we've really been blessed. God's been good to us. And I just uh, really am thankful for the opportunities and, and uh, thankful for the opportunities we've been able to provide to people here on our team as well. Yeah. So I want to talk about today. Um, so you, you are leading this, this uh, company, pretty large entity right now. What are your responsibilities? Uh, well, that's evolved. Um, I'm of the personality type where I like to be involved in everything. And uh, that's not that's not helpful as we grow. So that's been evolving nicely. So now I have, uh, um, well, it's been I say evolving nicely. Um, it was pain that brought about our realization that we needed to grow because that can actually be destructive um, when uh, when someone such as myself is is trying to be involved in too many things and delegate at the same time, and it can send mixed messages. So I have uh, one person now that direct reports to me. I'm in a role of what uh, some call a visionary. And then, uh, so while my business card says president, we have someone that um, behaves in that function where he's the head of uh, three three major functions of our business report to him, and then he reports to me. 
So the three major functions is operations and then sales and account management and then office and finance. So the head of each major function um, reports to this person and then each of those major functions um, has their accountability chart. Um, they each meet weekly. The leadership team, which I'm a part of, meets weekly. And uh, in addition to that role, I work on um, recruiting people and developing people for our team and uh, work on building the culture within our team. So things that I'm passionate about. I get to work with our people without um, them being directly accountable on the accountability chart to me. That is probably the cleanest, simplest structure, organizational structure I've ever heard. Fantastic. Congrats for putting it into place. Um, we can overcomplicate this and at the at the end of the day, those three functional areas are true in every organization, even nonprofits. And, and it's really important in business to simplify things. I love how simple that structure is. Um, I, it made me think when you were talking, um, you know, one of the classic business books of all time is Good to Great. Been around for a long time. Some, some of you uh, yeah. have, have read that book. So there's a, a line in there that talks about the, the role of the CEO, um, who I guess would be the visionary in most companies, and, and that they have two primary responsibilities. One is to articulate and reinforce the, the culture of the company. And number two is to develop future talent. And I was I was impressed by, or um, it was it was interesting to me that your response was almost a hundred percent in alignment with that. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> it's almost like you, it's almost like you've read some books. <laughs> well, I I certainly do and enjoy reading about one book a month, which I'm only able to do because of Audible, but uh, yeah. Um, so some of the things I, you I believe that, about, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say the book that you referenced, Good to Great, that's a, a fantastic book. Yeah. Um, one I'm a, a big fan of. So another book I thought of while you were talking was uh, the book by Gino Wickman, Traction and the uh, yeah. EOS process. Are you involved in that at all or familiar with it? Yes, uh, we are. And uh, that's that's another way we've been blessed. That's been really good for our company. And Gino has a partner um, that uh, we've actually been able to use. Um, and he's been a consultant of ours, but he's... Uh, um, I believe uh, nearing the end of his consulting years, but um, just because of his age and he's transitioning to some other things, but um, he's been a real uh, help for us in, in learning what's taught in traction in the EOS program. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't want to go too too deep into that, but uh, and Jeff, you might not even know this. My my previous company before I started consulting 
worked directly with Gino when he was really developing the EOS process. He didn't even call it that at the time. Um, so ah. the, the precursor to EOS. And it was before he even wrote the book Traction. In fact, I have a quote in the book Traction. <laughs> Our company's oh, uh, is that right? core values are listed in there. And uh, those four core values were, were the brainchild of yours truly. Um, so my name's not called out directly, but the company is. It's Professional Ground Services, uh, if you're interested. In ah. I can't tell you what page it's on. Ah. It's, it's in the index. Um, so that's kind of cool. But it was a great experience to work with Gino. I love the process. It's very simple. And it really works. It's just It's a proven process. So I would encourage anyone who's not familiar with um, EOS, Gino Wickman, the book Traction. I know he just wrote a new book that just came out recently. Check that stuff out. It's it's fantastic. It works great. Could could change your life. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. As you were talking, I, I flipped to it on page thirty nine. There you go. Interesting. Good. Yeah. So, um, Jeff, I wanted to ask you about your, indus your industry involvement. So you've, you know, I, I first met you, I believe, at a SIMA event, a training event. Uh, didn't know you were from Grand Rapids, my hometown. Um, in fact, we should be doing this together. We're both in Grand Rapids right now, but I guess it's good we're, we're socially distant in today's pandemic. Oh, whatever. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> with, uh, Always enjoy getting together. Absolutely. We'll do that soon. Um, but you've been involved with SIMA and with um, ASCA and Snowfighters Institute. Kind of what's what's behind that? What what inspired you and what have you kind of got out of some of those national organizations? Yeah, um, I've gone to those. I've gone to Snowfighters over the years. And what has been beneficial to me is networking with other companies that uh, – have the same struggles that I have, but they've learned things that I yet need to learn. And um, so one of the things I liked about um, when I went to SIMA is it just exposed me to a lot um, in the, what I'll say the early years for my um, development in the industry. And uh, and then when I went to Snowfighters and I was able to connect with people and attend uh, things and develop a relationship with those people because it was so much smaller of a group. And uh, it's, I, I've, I've said a number of times that it's not so much the content of what's said in the seminar in the workshop as much as so many of the valuable takeaways when I go to a networking event like that, um, just comes from talking to other um, business owners and managers and uh, learning how they've handled situations and challenges that we're working with. And uh, so it's those networking opportunities that I really have found valuable uh, as far as being formative to helping us do the things that we do. We've heard that over and over again from people attending Snowfighters. Um, in fact, I know you know this. Um, we're planning for a, a bunch of events in 2021. We had to uh, postpone all our events for this year due to 
not being able to meet in person and travel restrictions. But we're excited about 2020. Uh -huh. we're, we're taking snow fighters on the road. Uh, won't be meeting in Erie, Pennsylvania anymore. Um, we're we're going to be meeting uh, throughout the U.S. at different locations. What would what advice do you have someone who would be considering attending a snow fighters event? I if they're looking to learn, and even if it's that they don't know what they need to learn, because uh, we don't know what we don't know. Um, but if they see value in learning from other people, if they see value in meeting with folks that are in the same industry, but from sometimes different markets, um, then they're often it's an environment where they're more willing to share information. And uh, those that realize they have things that they can learn, but are also willing to share of themselves and what, what it is. Because obviously if they're in business, they've got some things figured out. So when you put your heads together and you're able to help each other um, and mutually work for each other's benefit, if, uh, if you see value in that, uh, I found that Snow Fighters has been a good format for that. Because as much as I enjoy it, it's hard for me to um, get together a group of people and, and network and they do it for you. <laughs> you right. just show up and, and uh, they make it easy. Well, and, and to your previous statement, you know, really just, um, you know, I think just taking advantage of the, of the times out of the classroom, right? Dinner, even during traveling, you know, maybe sitting in the hotel lobby at breakfast or whatever, you know, just those, those little in-between times. Sometimes those are the most powerful times to have those. Yeah, because those... Chats. Those are opportunities to develop relationships and, and so much of business is relationships. And even uh, when you're talking with your peers from other companies, um, the more of a connection you have, um, the more value uh, is shared between, between the two. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. So I want to talk about challenges. Um, Okay. You know, is being second generation. I grew up in a family business. I know there's challenges working with family, and there's and there's just challenges in life in general. So I'm I'm guessing, you know, even though your your dad started the business and got it off the ground, and it was probably doing well, well enough to employ you when you graduated from college, right? Um, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, like you've had this super easy life with never a challenge. So. Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you about uh, a ch maybe one or or maybe even a second one. Just something that stands out to you. Just something you had to kind of deal with and overcome, um, and and kind of what that was all about. What you learned from that time. Um, if something stands out to you that you're willing to share. Hmm. Well, there's picking one is the challenge <laughs> because uh, I. We we, uh, we like to fix things. Um, those of us in our leadership team, and it's just part of how we're wired. After each snow season, we used to have a bump list where uh, we record all the things that didn't work. Um, that was a little bump in the road as we were um, growing each year, and 
and okay, let's record the bumps in the road and let's find a solution for that so that as we continue to grow, that bump doesn't turn into uh, more of an obstacle. And um, so while we used to do that at the end of each season, now that's just baked into uh, on a weekly basis now at our um, meetings, we're talking about what what our issues are, what our challenges are. And um, taking the issues and the challenges that are present and following through in a constructive way to um, correct those in a way that provides lasting change, that's, uh, that's probably um, a focus of ours and, and you could say a, a challenge if it's not uh, it's not followed properly but i think you're probably looking for something more specific um well if there is something that jumps out at you yeah um a, a challenge of that i am personally mindful of is backing out of so many decisions that i used to be at the table for um, even if I wasn't making the decision myself, I was at least involved in the decision and stepping away and um, allowing the managers to manage in the way that is intended um, and yet still developing them so that they have all of the uh, information that had been available to me when I was making that decision. Um, that's a transition that our company is going through to the point that they're each developing uh, their own budgets for their own departments rather than that being handed to them by somebody in a finance office, but rather where each department's developing their own budget um, and delegating and equipping these guys to run the business uh, without my involvement to the degree that it has been. And that's not because I want to slow down or step away, um, but I can serve the team better if I'm focusing on culture and developing people rather than focusing on each uh, of the nitty gritty details. Very well stated. That, and, and that what you just described right there, Jeff, is a challenge that's um, inherent in growth. And I've heard this from so many owners, um, CEOs who have said, the light bulb went off and I realized I'm holding my company back because I'm not letting my managers control and make decisions. I'm trying to, I'm involved too much. I need to be that visionary. I need to um, let go of some control. I still need to oversee. I still want to see numbers. I still want to be involved, but more from a oversight and mentoring perspective than making every decision and controlling every everything that happens in my company because the company's growing too big and I, I just can't do it. Um, so that's just, just recognizing that and then actually being able to put that in place. It's some pretty heavy lifting. And I, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why this is such a difficult thing to get to that second generation, right? Because there's a letting go. Like, your dad had to let go at some point. I mean, it was probably a very difficult thing for him to do. 
as capable as you you and Dan are. Yeah, um, he uh, he did it very well, um, and uh, that he made it attractive for me and Dan to be a part of it. Because I I think if he would have uh, um, struggled in that area, then then it would have been less fulfilling for me. And I want to make sure that that I follow the good example that he gave me because by by trying to be involved, I can take a lot of the fulfillment and satisfaction away from our managers if if I'm... um, if I'm not uh, trusting them to to do their their job, but yeah, that is a a challenge because there's so much that's in my head. It's it's one thing to buy in, and I'm not saying just because it's in my head that it's right, but um, I I want to um, get the information that's available to me and make sure that uh, I'm doing all I can to make that same information available to to the people that are now developing the budgets and setting the prices and and uh determining the wages and setting the um the efficiency goals etc there's there's just so much um involved in that but uh but it's it's really rewarding to see um as we're going through this process and and uh there's so much more wisdom that those guys have than that i ever could you know these guys are experts in each of the areas that they manage and their expertise in their area exceeds mine (laughs) in the area that they're managing so it's just uh it, it is the way it should be but then um it's one thing to know that in your head and it's another thing to practice it and i'm just thankful for the patience of our team as we've been um, working through this process but i I think we're all feeling better as a result of of it and and we see that uh, these guys are so good that's just gonna continue to um, be for the good of the overall team yeah, and I think the structure you have in place, the simplified org chart, the um, EOS process, the weekly meetings, I mean, you have everything in place to be able to be that type of leader, to be involved but not overly involved and let people do their jobs um, and to be able to hold them accountable for doing their jobs. Um, so that's just good for you. Um, um, I, I know how difficult it is to put all this stuff in place, and I just I give you a lot of credit for actually doing it. <laughs> well, to God be the glory. I don't I don't want to take any well for sure credit for myself yep. and your team. Yep. And and to my team, I I always uh, when we have our big picture meetings, I want to point out that uh, that's one of the ways, uh, the main way that God blesses us as two good people that make good decisions and um and uh we're able to do the things that we are because of uh because of these these key people these managers these leaders and and that's what makes it such a joy to be able to come and work alongside these these people every yeah, day well and and jeff i just really appreciate you being open with us today because um 
you know, I mean, I think the real value of those, these podcasts are learning from other folks in the industry. And, and sometimes that hearing someone's story of, of how they made tough, you know, bad decisions maybe and really struggled and learned from that, that's very insightful. Um, it more, more so in your situation, it's more of a story of, of best practices and, um, uh, striving for excellence and putting in place, you know, some things that businesses maybe talk about, but really have a hard time achieving. And, and I think bo in both those scenarios, not to say everything has always been perfect at Snellers because we know every business struggles, but, um, you know, I think when I think of Snellers, I think is, is a, is a, in our industry, kind of a world-class category company. And I think there's something really powerful that can be learned from evaluating those companies and, and then trying to, to emulate some of the things that you've heard. So I just really appreciate you sharing uh, your thoughts. I'm curious about your thoughts about just the industry in general before we kind of wrap things up. Um, uh, just, just the state of the industry, if you, if you have a few thoughts on that, maybe some, if, if you have any thoughts about trends or just overall picture of the industry today. Hmm. I don't, I don't feel like I have any unique insight on the industry that, uh, that's really special and worth commenting on other than, uh, an industry that I really enjoy being a part of. Yeah. Um, so last question. Um, I saw a cover several years ago of Snow Business Magazine, and it had a family in a canoe. And they were all going down. <laughs> <laughs> was, that a, was that on the uh, yeah. was that Or was that for something else? <laughs> I, I don't know that kids. I made a cover with that picture, but it was, uh, we did win an award. There was a photo contest okay. for I the magazine. So um, tell us what that was. Yeah, about. that was fun. Well, it, you needed to have uh, a copy of their magazine in the picture. That was part of the criteria, and uh, it was pretty limited beyond that. Um, it was to promote the magazine. And, uh, so I, at the time, was blessed with six kids. I say at the time because my wife is actually pregnant in that picture with, with our last child, number seven. Um, so there's uh, counting that unborn baby. There was nine of us in the canoe. My family was much smaller back then than we are now. We don't, we don't fit in a canoe anymore. But, uh, yeah, that was fun because, yeah, there's the, the – um, the magazine representing our industry, but also uh, it's my family that is so precious to me. And after hours, I don't go play golf or hang out with the guys, but I go home and uh, um, spend time with my family. And that's, uh, that's really my, um, one of my passions and, and callings in life. So that was, I, I still have that picture in my office. It's a great it's shot. Fun. Yeah. Family and I, good for you. God bless you. <laughs> Anything else, Jeff, you want to share before we wrap up? Well, I've just uh, enjoyed working with you over the years, and uh, you've consulted with us uh, on a business standpoint, on a sales standpoint, and uh, just thankful for um, your involvement in helping us uh, um, do the things that we've been able to do. And, uh, and I like the focus that that you and girl the bench have with trying to uh just provide more information because i think there's 
so much that we can continue to learn um, in business and and we've never we should never feel like we've arrived so enjoy opportunities uh, to get together with you and, and thanks for all that you're doing for the industry yeah. awesome thanks Jeff again really appreciate it God bless and uh, we'll see you soon very good Thank you for listening to this episode of the Snowfighters Institute podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go forth.